Hello, and thanks for joining us for the Education Doctor Radio Show. I'm your host, Dr. Pamela Ellis. The Education Doctor Radio Show is your family source for educational excellence. Our program is brought to you by Compass Education Strategies, where I'm the principal consultant, and our mantra is Access, Thrive, Graduate. You can learn more about our firm at CompassEducationStrategies.com. I almost said the www, and I realize that's unnecessary these days. So at any rate, I want to thank everyone who's listening to our show today. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to our program. If you're listening to a podcast of this program, we also want to thank you for joining in. It is really great to be back on the show again. We usually broadcast on a weekly basis, but during the summer months of June and July, we went to a uh, biweekly schedule, and then we took a break in the latter half of July for some travel that I had to do as far as visiting schools and colleges and graduate schools. So we're back on schedule now and getting geared up for some exciting shows this fall. For future show updates and ongoing relevant education news, please join our Facebook community by searching for The Education Doctor, then clicking like. You can also find us on Twitter at The Education Doc, and we're on Foursquare where you can see our tips to prep schools, colleges, and graduate schools around the country. So please join us on Foursquare if you're there. We have a great show lined up for you today. In my travels around the country, I've talked with a lot of families who are curious about the term gap year. It's a term that originated in Britain and has made its way over the pond in the last three decades or so. And often people are asking me, what exactly is a gap year? Well, a gap year is a break in formal education, usually between high school and college, where students continue learning, and they continue learning through a cultural immersion experience, perhaps a volunteer opportunity in the U.S. or abroad, deeper skill development in their sport, their arts, language, or academics. It's a time of reflection and maturity, and more importantly, it's a period of purpose and intention. So a gap year is not a vacation. It's not a year to hang out with your friends for the sake of hanging out. The purpose and intentional aspect of a gap year is important because it suggests that the gap year is most effective when it's planned in advance. For many incoming freshmen who may decide to defer their matriculation to college, the colleges will grant deferred admission if you outline your plans for how your time will be spent during the gap year. For students who want to have a more competitive application for college, they may apply to college during the start of the gap year, and the applicant must state how their gap year time is being spent. So having a plan for how the gap year will be structured is critical for college-bound students. My guests today are Andrew McKenzie and Anna Walker of Africa and Asia Venture in Britain. So, and they're in Britain, so they know all about gap year and have a long tradition of gap year programs there. 
Their program offers opportunities for cultural immersion and volunteer experiences in Africa, Asia, and the Americas. And so they will be talking with us today about what college-bound students need to consider in terms of cultural immersion and volunteer experiences during their gap year. Before we get started, I want to make sure that our listeners have our contact information. You may email your questions to radio at compasseducationstrategies.com, or you can call in to our switchboard at 714-333-3356. And I'd love to say that our switchboard is located in sunny Southern California because I was just getting my tickets to go back uh, to Southern California today. (laughs) So I'm excited about that. But I am broadcasting live from Dayton, Ohio, and it's sunny Dayton, Ohio. So I uh, appreciate the use of technology and the fact that Andrew and Anna are joining us from Britain. So we will take a short break, and then we'll come back with Andrew McKenzie and Anna Walker to discuss culture immersion and volunteer gap year experiences for college-bound students. This is the Education Doctor Radio Show brought to you by Compass Education Strategies. I am back now to talk with Andrew McKenzie and Anna Walker of African Asia Venture in Britain. Andrew and Anna, are you on the phone still? Hello. Hello. We're here. We're here. <laughs> great. Well, it's great to hear your voice again. I want to thank you again for joining us on the Education Doctor Radio Show. How are you doing today? We're doing well. It's a nice sunny day in England, and um, it's nice to be talking to our friends across the pond. Yes, thank you. Andrew, you're doing all right? I'm doing fine, Pamela. I'm looking forward to the show. Okay, great. Well, I'm happy to have you both on the show and appreciate you taking the time to join us. I wanted to just start with sharing with our listeners a bit about your program. So if you can... Describe the program for us. That would be great to get us started. Okay, if I if I may, Pamela, I'll, I'll um, kick off, and then okay. I'll get to ask Anna to take over. Um, I'm the managing director of Africa Asia Venture, and Anna, um, who works with us, actually was on uh, went on one of our projects a few years ago, so she can tell you about it from from both angles. Um, very, very briefly. Uh, we've been going for 17 years or so. We specialize in volunteering opportunities in the developing world for 18 to 25-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Um, over um, 5,500 people have now been on our projects, and together they've contributed about 1,200 man-years of service to those communities with which we work. Um, what, what I'll do is I, I think I'm going to ask Anna to take you through quickly a project um, mm-hmm. from start to finish, and she will do that quickly, and then maybe we'll move on to some of the benefits. Okay, that'll be great. Go ahead, Anna. Um, so AV's projects are based around living in a remote rural community in uh, the country that you choose to go to. Mm-hmm. So it might be, um, in my instance, I went to Kenya, and I was a volunteer in Kenya for four months. Um, All the projects start with an orientation on arrival, so you have time to meet the rest of the group, learn about the customs and cultures of the community in which you're going to be working, and 
teaching tips and all sorts of different elements to make sure you're safe and um, help you throughout your time on project. And then mm -hmm. we were out in the community living with fellow volunteers. In um, I was based in a school called Katmiburai in a western village in Kenya. And I was teaching English lessons. I was getting involved in extracurricular activities like art and drama and um, lots, for me lots of sport because I love playing sport. So I was coaching a football team and a hockey team um, and, and really getting to, to know the local community and being a, a teacher in the school. Um, and then also have the chance to, to travel around um, other parts of Kenya and explore East Africa at the same time, which was an amazing mm -hmm. opportunity. And it's mm -hmm. a similar project set up across different places. Let me ask you something, Anna. You had mentioned that the your experience in Kenya was four months. What's yes. usually the length of time for your programs? So on average, the AV um, project is four months long, and that's three months in a school because with AV, the majority of our projects are teaching projects, and in order to um, give the maximum benefit to the school and community you're working, but also as a volunteer, get the most out of it, we put people in schools for a whole term. Mm -hmm. If you just go in for a couple of weeks, you get a taste for it, you have a do have a bit of culture shock at the start, and by the mm -hmm. time you've then sort of got over that, you're leaving. So we feel it's really important that people go there for a substantial length of time, and also by going for a whole term, it's better for the for the school in which you're working. So on average, volunteers spend three months in the community, and then we also include four weeks of time for people to travel. Hmm. You know, the thing that um, strikes me in listening to that is for many students in the U.S., that four months isn't really a full academic year. And so how do they bridge that time between so in, finishing high school and starting college if there's only four months that they would spend in your program? Is that, I mean, has there been any conversation around extending the program, or how do you accommodate those students who have a lot more time away? So we find we find some students come to on one of our projects as part of a variety of different things that they're doing on mm -hmm. their year out. So um, one volunteer, Evelyn, who came on our project to Ecuador in February from Ohio, she had actually spent four months before that in Kenya and had spent some time before that in Costa Rica. So she'd done okay. a number of different projects. Other people right. um, in the UK, uh, people do and tend to spend part of their time actually working to raise the money in order mm -hmm. to, to save the money to travel, um, to pay for things like the flights and um, their food and accommodation and everything. Um, wow. So people do it in different ways, whether they do a whole year traveling, doing different projects, or whether they do just part of the year actually traveling and part of the year raising the money. Right, right. The interesting thing, though, is in having it at four months, that makes it very appealing for a semester-long program. Absolutely. Um, in even when you have already matriculated, perhaps, deal, you can have a number of students that can come while they're in college. So what is usually the breakout on a percentage basis in terms of those students who come directly from high school before they go to college versus students who are already in college that participate in your that, program? Yeah, Pamela, that, that's um, an interesting question. Uh, just before I answer it specifically as far as the states is concerned, 
as far as the, 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 the we, we've had um, volunteers from over 30 countries. Mm. The UK is our largest market, probably for obvious reasons, but the second oh, yeah. largest market for us is the US. Okay. Um, and uh, certainly in the UK, the majority would be people between school and going to college or university, as we call it. Mm -hmm. um, as far what we're seeing as far as our US volunteers are concerned is it's probably a 50-50 split between those going, coming with us between school and college and those who are actually taking a semester out of college. But right. from what we've heard, we, we think that the, it's actually the latter that will become uh, more popular. In other words, people at college taking a semester out. That, that's the sort of feedback we're getting. Right. Now, do you have any direct affiliations with colleges here? Because I hear on a lot of my visits that I do to colleges that some schools have their own programs or they work through other affiliate programs for their students to participate in those semester-long experiences. We, we don't have any direct affiliation. So people, we, we are a very, very small organization, okay? We are tiny. Um, mm -hmm. And so m most of our, the, the vast majority of our volunteers actually come to us, but about 60% come through word of mouth. Um, wow. But on the other hand, I mean, we, we are members, I don't know if you or your listeners are familiar with a thing called the Building Bridges Coalition in the States, which is no. a project of the Brookings Institution Initiative uh -huh. on International Volunteering and Service. We, we're a member of that. Okay. Um, okay. So, so yeah, we. In the strict answer to your question is no. We don't have any affiliations. Right. Okay. Now, Anna, can you talk a little bit about the benefits of doing an experience? What were some of those benefits for you? Absolutely. So I took my. Um, I actually took a whole year out between leaving uh, school, um, high school as you call it, and before I started my degree at university. And I decided to take this year because uh, I've had a lot of exams and I decided I needed a break. But also I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. And it's, mm. it's quite big decisions to make as to which university you're going to go to and what you're going to study, um, particularly with the fees uh, and costs involved in it. So it's important, oh, I felt, to, to make mm -hmm. time to really make sure I knew what I wanted to do um, and experience different things before I decided and committed to it. So that was one of the reasons I decided to, to take the year out, and it definitely helped me do that. Um, mm -hmm. I also just felt that going to university, I was going to be going somewhere away from my home, so I wasn't going to be living at home, and it would be the first time that I left home. And I felt that when I went to university, um, I needed to hit the ground running and really make the most of it and get involved in all my um, work and not be sitting there sort of worrying about being away from home. Mm -hmm. So by going and doing a project abroad um, and volunteering, I was able to gain a huge amount of independence and confidence of doing something off my own back. It was also an opportunity to go and give something back to, to another community. Um, I had grown up in England and had quite a, a comfortable upbringing, I would say, and so it was a real opportunity to go and to go and experience somewhere completely different and get an understanding of a community and a culture, not through the media, not through pictures, not through guidebooks, but actually by exactly. going there and living it, um, mm -hmm. which was just the most incredible experience because you really can't put it into words what you learn and, and the people you meet. 
Um, exactly. There's all sorts of different things that I gained from it, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to echo what you said, Anna, earlier about how big of, the, of a decision it is to go to college and choosing a college that's a good fit for you. I'm paraphrasing what you said and what I took away from yeah. it, but so many families that I work with oftentimes feel that they need to take the jump right away and go from high school to college, but the gap year really provides an unparalleled experience in terms of being able to make that decision in a um, a less stressful way because senior yeah. year is already stressful with classes and AP exams and standard other standardized tests, and to be able to step back from that and spend some time immersed in an experience before making that decision can make a huge difference in terms of what you eventually decide to do. You know, that brings to mind a couple of other questions for you guys in terms of what have been some of the trends that you've seen as far as uh, students taking on a gap year experience? Have you seen uptrends in that, particularly for students from the U.S., or have you seen a decline? No, there's been a definite increase in students from the U.S. joining projects um, with AV. Um, I think it's fair to say uh, a couple of years ago we might have had one, possibly sometimes two students from America on a project. And actually we've got a project leaving on the 30th of August to Kenya, and 50% of the group are from the U.S., um, Mm -hmm. which is a huge rise. And I think we've also seen a trend that, the projects leaving in August, September time are very popular with students from the U.S. Um, so yeah. it's, it's both an increase but also an increase on particular times of year that they're looking at traveling. Mm-hmm. Now, the other question is, what percentage of your participants have actually already applied to college and have deferred admission versus students who are applying to college as they're doing the program? Have you looked at any data as far as that's concerned? Yeah, historically, um, there would have been, uh, and again, I'm talking, Pamela, principally as far as the UK is concerned for the moment, but, mm-hmm. but historically, um, people would very predominantly have gained their place at college mm-hmm. and be taking that gap here with the knowledge and consent, if you like, of, of their college. Hmm. For, for various reasons, because of, thing, because of various structural changes here in the UK tertiary education system, that isn't so true now, so right. people will not necessarily defer their place. As, as I say, as far as the, the states goes, the experience that we've had is virtually all of them, that those that are between school and college have uh, got their college place sorted, but mm-hmm. are taking that time out. Hmm. Um, so I, I would say it is slightly different in the States from, from here at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Really good. Really good. Um, what are the other... Can I just say one other thing? Yeah. Sorry, Pamela. Oh, sure. You, Go you, ahead, Andrew. I, I just think one of the other interesting things that we're, we're discovering from, from U.S. volunteers is that because we specialize in these, these you know, four-plus-month projects, which are full immersion, so... You know, you are living, you are li- literally living with the community as the community lives. 
we're seeing real interest in that because what a lot of people I think what you Americans are very good at is volunteering it, it's much, it comes to you much more naturally possibly than it does to us mm-hmm. um, but I think uh, a lot of what you have done in the past has been shorter term so like two weeks or something like that right uh, and so so the but what is happening is this trend to go perhaps further afield and to do the longer projects. So because that's what we specialize in, I think that's one reason why we're seeing um, mm-hmm. an uplift in our numbers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what are some of the ways that families are financing these experiences? Well, um, uh, I would say the majority of our volunteers will fund projects themselves. Mm-hmm. By that we mean that they have worked, uh, they have saved, um, they might have gone out and raised money one way or another, um, mm-hmm. and I don't mind admitting to you that those um, volunteers are the best volunteers for us, because then, when the going gets tough, and the, t- the going can get tough on these projects, mm-hmm. they are much more committed. Um, yeah. Those who are simply paid for by their folks... Um, if, if things get tough, um, you know their, their commitment can be can be less. So I'm mm-hmm. pleased to say that the majority, probably 80% of our volunteers, will actually fund the project themselves. Right, right. So can you tell us a little bit about what the fees are? So some of the upfront um, costs that are incurred for the program itself, and then the kinds of expenses that students incur during their time of way. Yeah. Um, basically, the, um, the, our, the majority of our projects will cost, and I'm translating it in, you know, into to rough approximate um, mm-hmm. U.S. dollars, about 5,250 U.S. dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what that covers is the... Um, their time in country, their board, their lodging during project, um, the induction course, everything whilst they're on project. It does not include things like their flights, their international flights, their visas, um, insurance, which you know, travel insurance, which is a very important issue for us. Right. Um, plus, you know, if they're spending money, because we do encourage and hope that our volunteers, in addition to doing should we say the serious work um, mm-hmm. they will also have a lot of fun so for example in East Africa a lot of them will go rafting on the Nile they'll go bungee jumping they might climb Mount um, Kilimanjaro or whatever So, and, and those sort of expenses for example many will go into Uganda and go and see the gorillas in the wild and that costs about $500 for the day I think really? so if they want to do those other things they have to mm. budget for it Right. And what we tend to advise is when people say, well, can you give me a ballpark figure for what the whole thing might cost me? Um, we we would say probably about $9,000. And that includes um, travel expenses to and that, fro? That, yeah, exactly. That would include okay. everything. And okay. obviously it will depend a little bit. If, if Because we, have, we offer this period that nobody else offers when at the end of the project they have four weeks when they can travel wherever they like and they're supported by our in-country people. So they, you know, they, mm-hmm. they can travel all over the place, but they have the right. benefit of having our people 
in the background. Now, that, at mm-hmm. that time, if they choose to stay in five-star hotels, clearly that's going to cost them a bob or two. A bit more. Sorry, a bob or two. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, one of the if questions... Plan, if they budget for about 9,000 uh-huh. US, that should probably be... If, if I can just add on to the, to the cost um, sure. factors, I think as, as someone that's been there and, and done it, um, and looking at the cost, to me, I just thought, wow, this is a lot of money to go and volunteer. But um, when you actually sit down and, and talk to people about it, if you go to a community and you go and teach in a community or work on a community project and you expect it to be free, so you expect them to pay for your accommodation, pay for your food or your flights, then you're not actually helping that community as much as you could be. So it's really important when you look at doing a volunteer project that you cover all your costs so that you give maximum benefit to the community. Um, the added expense of going through an organization like African Asia Venture was that you pay um, the fee for the setup of a project and the mm-hmm. safety uh, side of things. So there is someone 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, looking after your safety. And, and to me, that was a really important point because I was going somewhere very remote that I wasn't confident with, um, but somewhere where, where I really wanted to go. So mm. it does come at a slight cost. But the experience yeah. I had and what I learned from it and the confidence I gained and how I've used it in my years going forwards has just been amazing. Yeah. So I urge people not to sort of be put off by, by the cost because it is an incredible experience. You know, you raise uh, something that I was about to ask you in terms of safety and security. If you can just share with our families, what do you need to know about safety and security if you're considering any type of um, cultural immersion experience abroad? What do families need to know? What are some of the questions they need to ask? I think the um, the key thing is to do your research and to plan it thoroughly because this isn't just a, an average holiday. You're not just sort of going off and booking this on a website and printing off your e-ticket and heading off the next day. It really mm-hmm. does need careful planning to make sure that you are doing it safely. And um, there's lots of things to think about. So um, number one is, is getting the right travel insurance um, because you will need to make sure that your insurer is covering you for the type of things that you might be doing. Um, and you should be advised on that by the organization or the volunteer organization you're going with. Um, that's essential. Um, but also, if you're going to go through an organization, it's really important that you check them out thoroughly. Um, I give a lot of advice to students in the UK now on, on traveling and travel safety. And I say anyone can build a nice website and tell you that you're going to volunteer on a project and make it look really attractive. Take your money and, and then something terrible can happen. So it's really important that you you really research the organization, see if they are um, members of the organization like uh, the Building Bridges Coalition, Andrew mentioned, or in the UK, Mm -hmm. um, we have an organization called the Year Out Group, or YOG, which is an umbrella organization, and um, many of the organizations on that website also uh, have many volunteers coming from America, so it's a good resource for American students as well. Um, mm-hmm. And to those organizations, you should be asking questions um, and, and asking them to talk to people who have been there and done projects before, because that right. is the best way of finding out exactly mm-hmm. what it's like. And for parents, um, it's also really important if they want to find out more and put their minds at rest, that they talk to other parents of volunteers who right. have been there and done it. And a good Excellent. organization should 
give you that information. Exactly. Um, don't just rely on online reviews because you don't know who's written them at the end of the day. Um, yeah. And it's really important to look at the actual work they're doing and whether it benefits the community, not just the people that are going and volunteering. Um, right. What level of okay. in-country support do they offer is another big thing to look at. Exactly. There's lots of questions to ask. <laughs> A lot of questions, Anna. I, this actually wraps up our show with Andrew McKenzie and Anna Walker of Asia, Africa and Asia Venture. I want to thank you so much for joining the show, and I appreciate your time immensely. So I want to thank all of our listeners for joining and staying connected. We look forward to sharing with you again on the Education Doctor Radio Show, and here's our announcement for how you can stay in touch. <laughs> 